Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley. You know, today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And it's a day, I'm going to have to be honest with you, that usually passes me by with an acknowledgement. You know, being here in Canada, it's not a federal holiday. It's not a national holiday. Um, But I notice it and I acknowledge it. But I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I don't usually give it the reflection and appreciation that this day and Dr. King's legacy absolutely deserves. And so, especially today, especially today with so much unrest in our world, whether due to the pandemic or to civic, political, or or social unrest, inequality, and injustice, we owe it to ourselves and to one another, especially today, but every day, to find time to pause and reflect on how we can each contribute to a better, kinder, more just, and more united world and more united community in the communities that we all each live in. And Dr. King said it best when he said, I think it's important that people understand unity means using your influence to help bring others up around you. So it's my commitment to spend time every day more consciously reflecting on how I can be a kinder person, how I can let go of judgment, and how I can seek to help those around me and create a more united, kinder world. And that doesn't just speak to, you know, world, big world or community issues. This is also about our organizations, right? Too many people are working in companies and on teams that are draining, that feel draining. Too many people are operating in survival mode instead of thriving. And I talk about this all the time. Too many of us, too many people are feeling disconnected right now, either disconnected to those we love, disconnected to our co- from our coworkers, and often disconnected from meaningful, what's our purpose and what matters most to us. And, you know, and I know my guest, Jill, who I'm going to introduce in a minute is going to speak to this. Close to 90% of workers worldwide are disengaged, meaning close to 90% of people are just showing up, right? Just showing up at best or at worst, actively disengaged. And so, Today, today is about building that engagement, that passion, that connection to something greater than self within our organizations so that you and your people can thrive more and struggle less. Today's episode is all about cracking the code of employee engagement with my guest and best-selling author, Jill Christensen. Jill is a former Fortune 500 business executive with a Six Sigma green belt. Jill understands how organizations operate and what they need to do differently to attract, retain, and engage employees. 
Jill's book, If Not You Who, is a global bestseller and her popular weekly blog was named a top 100 corporate blog alongside of Apple and Microsoft. I'm so thrilled to have you, Jill. Welcome. Thank you, Nicole. I'm so excited to be here and to engage with your listeners. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, I know how busy you are. Actually, just before uh, we started broadcasting, Jill was telling me about the fact that pre-COVID, um, Jill, you speak live 50 to 60 times a year, and you're still speaking 50 to 60 times a year, but it's virtually, uh, which requires a whole different kind of energy right, to, to, to maintain that. So you're still just as busy as you ever have been. And on that note, I'd love for us to start with really understanding your journey, Jill. How did you come to be this expert and so passionate about employee engagement? How did you find yourself on this journey and and where you are now? So I think it all began with me being in the shoes of many of your listeners. And that's that I spent two decades working in organizations many of them which were dysfunctional. They had dysfunctional cultures. I didn't want to go to work every day. I didn't trust the senior leadership team. I didn't love my job. Um, There were days, in all honesty, where I was just doing what I had to do to get by. And, you know, 10 years ago, I woke up and I said, this is my life. And do I really want to continue on this path? And the answer to that was no. And so I moved across the country in the United States from the East Coast to the Wild West, launched my own firm, and I started consulting um, in a bunch of different industries. And that's when I realized, wow, it wasn't just the telecommunications industry that I had been in for 20 years that I believed was dysfunctional. Most industries are dysfunctional. And you've got these organizations that don't inspire people, that don't motivate people, that don't encourage people to be the best version of themselves every day. And so when I started to see companies in healthcare, finance, retail, hospitality, oil and gas that were quote unquote messy, like the telecommunications firms I had worked in, um, I realized that I had to, I felt like that was my calling. Mm -hmm. And I realized Jill, you can either sit on the sidelines and continue watching this from afar or really as a consultant or you can do something about it. And so that's when I decided to write a book about how to create an amazing workplace culture. That book came out four years ago. And since then, I've been going around the globe, speaking at major business conferences, teaching leaders, teaching supervisors, teaching HR professionals, how to create that extraordinary workplace culture that nobody can imagine leaving. Amazing. Well, I'm excited to dig in. There's a lot to dig into. And so, you know, let's start with the basics. We use the word engagement, right? Employee engagement all the time. And to the point where I feel like it it can lose its real meaning. Um, And maybe people have different interpretations of what that is. So let's start there. What, What is employee engagement? What does it look like? So that's such a great question because so many people have different ideas of what it is. But to me, I define employee engagement as an employee who trusts the senior leadership team and feels an emotional connection to the organization. Because Mm. if they trust the leaders and they feel emotionally connected every day, you've got a much better shot that they're going to go above and beyond the call of duty and give you 110% discretionary effort. If they feel disconnected from the leadership team 
or disconnected from the brand and the organization, then they're just going to be showing up each and every day. They're going to feel like a number and they're just going to be doing what they have to do to get by collecting that paycheck. So that emotional intelligence, I want to dig into trust and, um, sorry, emotional connection, sorry, not intelligence. Um, how, how, is, how does that, what does that look like? So for how does a leader know when their team members are emotionally connected to the mission, to the brand, to the organization, to the team's work? Yep. So like I just said, they will stay longer. They will be more creative. Mm -hmm. Employees will volunteer to do more work outside of their job description. They will come in early and stay late and um, not bat an eye if they have to work extraordinarily long hours, say on a project, you know, because business needs in that moment dictate, not every day, right? Um, They give you the shirt off their back. They, Mm -hmm. you know, you can tell a highly engaged employee from somebody who is just there going through the motions, running on a hamster wheel, doing what they have to do to get by. They tend to be your people who come up with exciting, new, innovative ideas. They, you know, again, they do so much more than what's in their job description. They're the people who volunteer to be on your project teams. They're the people who say to the leader, you know, if you go on vacation, I would love to be the person who's chosen Mm -hmm. to, to be in your shoes when you're away. So they're the people who are engaging in training and development, right? They're the people who might say somewhere down the line, I would love to supervise people. So if there are any opportunities that you can give me to be in a leadership role, I would appreciate that. So they're basically people who are passionate, proactive, and again, do more than what's in their job description because they care so much about the organization and its success that every single day they think about how can I be the best version of me and give this company every single thing I've got and then some. So imagine, I mean, everything you just Mm -hmm. said, Jill, is so powerful. It gives me goosebumps. Imagining organizations full of people who feel and act that way. Absolutely. And you know where this comes through in spades, where we can see it? The technology industry. And so, when we think about industries as a whole and employee engagement, across the board, the technology industry happens to be the highest level of employee engagement in any industry. And if you think about employees in the technology industry, right, they're constantly inventing. They're constantly innovating. They are being paid to be creative. And so, if they weren't engaged, they would fail at their jobs because- Those organizations are relying on employees to be running on all cylinders, going above and beyond the call of duty, reaching into pockets inside of them that they've never reached into before when they weren't in the tech industry, right? To create things that don't exist. You can't do that unless Mm -hmm. you feel connected, respected, inspired, and motivated. And I think that's one thing that I can say about tech executives. They get it. So it's interesting because this is the second time in, you know, in, in these, this podcast that tech 
has been brought forward as an example of good, <laughs> right? As as organized as or as an industry where you know uh, they've got the uh, the right values. Not all of them, but mm-hmm. highly engaged people. And so it's interesting because my. Um, unproductive and inaccurate assumption when I think tech, I think, you know, uh, companies full of of programmers who are worked, overworked, who work 24-7 coding, right, to to get Mm -hmm. this technology out to people. Um, And so what... How do I reframe that? What do leaders in in some of these tech, like Zoom um, companies, what do they know? What do they get? What are they doing that other leaders haven't figured out yet? Got it. Well, Nicole, I think they've got one thing going for them that leaders in many other companies do not. And it's that the tech industry is relatively new, right? Mm-hmm. So most companies in the tech industry haven't been around more than a couple of decades. So when, um, and so those leaders were in business school, learned about business um, decades and decades beyond, let's say the Jack Welches of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think culture is something that we've just started talking about in business in the past few decades. It wasn't something we talked about 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Then it was all about profitable revenue growth, period, right? And so a lot of these new tech leaders are younger. And so they are wired differently, not only because they're in generation, um, they're millennials and or they're in generation Z, but I think they came up through the business world in a different era. And so they innately understand that I need to figure out what the culture of my organization is going to look like Mm -hmm. and get it right out of the gate versus create a dysfunctional business culture that we then have to fix years down the road. And that also then has a negative impact on our company and our customers because people are just showing up and sleepwalking through the day. Right. And so that is the benefit of tech companies. They're young. Okay. Whereas Mm -hmm. a GE and IBM, they've been around hundreds of years. Yes. They can reinvent their cultures, right? But it's much more difficult to reinvent an old school culture than it is to create an excellent culture out of the gate. So, so true. And I think that's one of the reasons, and I know there are others, you know, we have not done a very good job. And I mean, we, you know, organizations, mm-hmm. right? The last stat I saw pre-COVID was something like, you know, three quarters of a billion dollars is spent annually in North America by organizations on strengthening engagement. And we really have not move the needle in the past five to 10 years, pre-COVID, five years, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are we getting wrong? So I think what we're getting wrong is that senior leaders are outsourcing culture change to human resources. And this is not a dig against HR at all. I've worked with tons of strategic HR people in my career, and they're extraordinary. However, we are looking at an organization, HR, and saying, hey, fix the culture. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't own, they, they do own it, right? Meaning they own fixing the culture, but they don't own the people who have the greatest impact on culture change. And that's senior leaders and frontline managers. And so what happens is HR approaches this like a program or like an initiative, right? Employees think, oh, here's the latest program du jour. It's going to be here today, gone tomorrow. Nobody takes it seriously. They set up a culture committee, 
which ends up being the committee that really plans the summer picnic and the holiday party. Right. right? And so um, the problem is that organizations don't approach it strategically. Mm -hmm. They literally just toss it over the fence to HR and say, fix the culture when HR really is not in a position to fix the culture. It becomes a task more than a way of being. Absolutely. Right. It becomes a task on a checklist. It becomes a tactical thing that I need to do as an HR person because it's in my job description that I own employee engagement versus how do we do this differently so that we can get different results. And Nicole, that's the thing that is so interesting to me, right? We all, everyone knows you want the same results, keep doing what you've always done. But what's going on is organizations don't know how to do this differently so they keep outsourcing it to HR. They don't know any other way. And so that's why I wrote the book that I did. That's why I speak on this topic, because what I bring to the table is a strategy about how to do this differently and how to do this effectively. Because what organizations are doing, and we can see it in the employee engagement needle, which is barely moving, right? In, in decades, it's barely moved. Mm-hmm. It's just not working. And so what I'd love to dig into with you after break, Jill, is a few things in particular, you know, okay, where is an organization to start or even just a leader who wants to support their team? right? Um, Forget about the whole organization. Well, let's not forget about that. But even a leader who's listening, like, I just want to help my team to thrive. I just want to, you know, people to feel good and connected. Um, Where can they start? And and maybe demystify, you know, um, engagement a little bit and move it away from benefits and perks to everyday relationships, everyday connections, everyday actions and conversations. Um, because like you said, really engagement is then an outcome, right? This is, this is uh, the benefit of a high-performing culture. This is the benefit of, of putting culture first and ensuring it's, it's a competitive advantage and an advantage to your people as opposed to an afterthought. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to come right back and dive in with Jill Christensen. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit K-A-N-D dot C-O slash e-course. That's promo code VA30. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. 
Elevate your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. So welcome back. And before we dig in, I just want to all let you all know that I signed up. This is how I found Jill. I actually signed up for Jill's newsletter. Gosh, it must have been a couple of years ago now, Jill, because I've been getting them for so long. And they have been invaluable to me. Even though I'm in the business of employee engagement, I'm still learning from Jill. And so I really recommend that you go to jillkristensenintl.com and sign up for her newsletter. And Jill, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the importance of your, of your newsletter, what people will get? Sure. So I send my newsletter out every single week on a Tuesday morning. And, um, you know, you're as HR professionals, as business professionals, you're busy, right, as leaders. And so my job, in my opinion, is to constantly be looking across the landscape of business and figuring out what's changed, what's different, what do people need to know, what's going on in the culture space, what's going on in the leadership space. And so each week I package that into a four to five paragraph blog and give my readers um, explicit examples of what they can do to create a better culture or to be a better leader um, or to tackle a problem that we're hearing about, let's say, that's happening in businesses across industries. And so I look at it as my responsibility to keep my finger on the pulse and then glean from that pulse what is the most important content that you need to know this week, again, to create that great workplace culture or be a better leader? Awesome. Thank you, Jill. And so on that note, you know, what are, what are the main, main drivers of employee engagement that leaders really need to keep top of mind, right? Outside of, they're not the perks, they're not the ping pong tables, they're not the, right? What really drives engagement at the end of the day? Yeah, so let's start with that quickly. Kegerators, office dogs, ping pong tables, they drive happiness, right? They drive people to smile. Um, And that's wonderful. It's wonderful to have people in our organizations who are quote unquote happy, but you can be happy and not be engaged, right? Mm -hmm. You can be happy and go to work every day and do the bare minimum that you have to do to not get fired. So again, if if you were to say to me, Jill, if if you ran a big company, and you had to choose between happy and engaged, it would be simple, engaged all the way. And the good news is we know um, from data, we know from um, executing on these strategies in businesses that there are four, four, only four key things that leaders of organizations or frontline managers need to do in order to drive massive levels of employee engagement among their team members. And so it's not as if we're asking you to do 25 things Um, You know, all the data in the world points to the fact that if you recognize your employees on a regular basis, if they feel appreciated and acknowledged for a job well done, they'll give you the shirt off their back. Number two, if you create a two-way communication culture, meaning you don't want to push content out to your employees, you want to engage in a dialogue with your employees about what it is you're communicating with them. 
okay? We, employees tell us, I want to have a voice at work and I want my voice to be heard. So to the extent that you create that two-way communication culture versus a one-way culture where you're just pushing information out to people and not engaging in a dialogue with them, employees trust leaders who they have converse, who they engage in conversations mm-hmm. with and who seek out their input, thoughts, hopes, dreams, and wishes, right? And as we spoke about earlier, you know, they trust leaders who do this. And so if you create this two-way communication culture, you're actively driving trust between managers and leaders and employees. And trust leads to employee engagement. Another thing that employees tell us, when we ask workers around the globe, why do you get out of bed and go to work in the morning? More than 80% say, because I want to be connected to something bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. I want to make a difference. I want to add value. I want to um, feel like I'm making, you know, making a difference. And so one of the easiest ways that organizations can do this is goal alignment. And this is where organizations stop having people writing goals based on their job description, because then a person feels like they're by themselves on an island. If you create goals for a company, let's say three to five goals, and then every employee in the organization writes their individual objectives or goals based off of the organization's goals, your employees are going to feel like they are all marching arm Mm -hmm. in arm toward the same North Star, toward the same vision, toward the same mission. They're going to be able to look at their goals and say, wow, what I do each and every day contributes to where the organization is going, to what our customers want, to our company's success, right? And it really makes people feel like they matter and that they're making a difference. And then the fourth thing, Nicole, that um, managers and leaders really need to focus on, it's the first chapter in my book. It's called Getting the Right Person in Every Chair. I cannot tell you how critical it is that you hire people into your organization who are role models for the culture that you're trying to create. So that means you need to hire for a values fit. Every organization should have values, six or seven keywords that describe how we do things here, what we value, the, um, the behaviors that we need you to emulate. And so, you know, many people hire for a job skills match, but I believe you can hire, excuse me, yeah, most people in the world can be trained to right. do any job if they're intelligent, right? Yeah. Um, you We're can, focusing on the wrong things in hiring a lot ab- of the time as opposed to fit. Absolutely. You need to hire for a cultural fit. You can't train somebody to have an extraordinary work ethic. You can't train somebody to be accountable. You can't train somebody to be creative. They're either that way or they're not. And so make sure you bring those people in who are role models for your culture and make sure that you identify people existing in your organization who are toxic and who are chipping away at your culture in a negative way on a daily basis, these are typically people who have a really bad attitude or who are incompetent at their job so that everyone around them has to pick up the slack. Those people need to be identified. They need to be put on a performance improvement plan. Managers need to work with those people to help them develop and grow and become the employee that the organization needs them to be. 
But if that employee fails their performance improvement plan, I highly recommend that that employee be terminated. And here's why. Because every person in an organization knows who these people are. Everybody knows it. And you know what all those other employees are thinking? Yeah. Why isn't senior leadership doing anything about this? Creates this culture of complacency. I was just talking about that today. Absolutely. And you know what else it does? It causes those employees to not trust senior leaders. Mm -hmm. Well, if I can't trust leadership to, you know, either develop or remove these people who are toxic, how the heck am I going to trust them to bring our organization into the 22nd century or to create a strategy that's going to, you know, blow the doors off competition and wow our customers. And it's interesting. Everything you just said, my mind is going in so many different ways. I'm like, I could ask this question. I want to learn about this. I want to talk about this. So a couple of things. That that point about training creativity or training someone to be accountable, the beauty of when we hire for fit or when we're part of a culture that um, we feel connected to and accountable to, and we're connected to something greater than ourselves um, and are passionate for, have passion for it. That sparks creativity. We discover parts of ourselves and strengths like creativity and 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 taking risks or what have you when we stay connected to something meaningful. When we are working in an organization that is aligned with our values, where people bring out the best of us, that's mm-hmm. when we start to grow in areas that may not come naturally to us, right? So that's where fit is so important because people can explore parts of their 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 selves and find strengths that they maybe never had because they hadn't had the opportunity to try them or apply them. Absolutely. Right? That's an excellent point. But it all starts with getting the right person in every chair. Exactly. Because right? in order for that flower to, to bloom and flourish, if you will, it has to be planted in the right soil. Right? Absolutely. It's gotta be you can't plant right a tulip bulb in Alaska in the winter <laughs> it's going to bloom. Right. right. You have to understand, are the conditions, is the culture, you know, ripe for this tulip bulb to flourish? Right. And, and as leaders and as managers, we need to be asking that in our, when we're making hiring decisions and when we're looking across our organization and saying, honestly, are there people here who just are really not a good fit? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, again, it's every manager's responsibility, in my opinion, to help that person become the good fit, right? But sometimes it doesn't work out. And it is not only in the best interests of the organization, it's in the best interests of your customers, it's in the best interests of the employee to yeah. part ways. Exactly. And that's where I wanted to go, Jill. I'm glad you went there because, you know, I feel like as le- leaders, leaders have so much responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Responsible for building the culture, responsible for engagement, et cetera, et cetera. And rightly so. They're leaders for a reason. And, you know, what is the responsibility of the individual team member for engagement, for their own engagement, right? How is that responsibility shared in in your view? So in my view, when we talk, when we think about the four areas that I just mentioned, so... 
Let's say that in an organization, they decide, okay, we don't have a two-way communication culture. So we're going to set up an environment where we start conducting focus groups and asking people to chime in on their opinions, where we have quarterly conversations, where people engage in one-on-ones with, with senior leaders, right? The responsibility on the employee's side is to participate, is mm-hmm. to engage, because you can't reinvent a culture unless both senior leaders and managers and employees do things differently. It's not just up to the leadership team to create that amazing workplace culture. The definition of culture is how we do things here. You can't create a two-way communication culture unless employees engage in the new um, programs that that your, your communications team puts out into the marketplace internally, right? The same with um, being connected. I talked earlier about employees not writing goals that were in support of their job description, but writing goals that are aligned with the CEO's goals. You know, the manager shouldn't be responsible for doing that. The employee needs to engage and partner with the manager to write those goals that feel incredibly meaningful to the individual. The manager wouldn't know what goals feel meaningful to a person. Right? Because most people, believe it or not, they really do want stretch goals that at the end of the day are attainable, but they want to be stretched. But only an individual knows what stretch feels like. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, in that instance, it's up to the um, employee to write meaningful goals in the reward and recognition space. It's not just the managers and leaders' responsibility to call out um, and and find. examples of people who are doing great work. As employees, you as well need to be recognizing your colleagues, the CEO, your manager, right? You need to become a part of this culture where rampant recognition is just how we do things here. It's not about you sitting on the sideline and waiting to get recognized. The way you create that culture of rampant recognition is by everybody looking for who can I acknowledge today? Who can I hold up today? Who can I make feel great today, right? And so the employees absolutely have a responsibility as it relates to employee engagement. I love that. And so looking at these four areas, right? Recognize two-way communication, that, that meaningful connection, um, getting the right person in the right chair. Um, if a leader is struggling with, let's say, the disengagement of, of one or two members on their team, where can they start? What can they do to, to support those, those two individuals? So what I always say is, I think it's important that, employee, that employees not get singled out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think it's important for, even though a manager knows, let's say I've got a team of 20 people and I know I have four people on my team who are actively disengaged rather than calling those people out and trying to work with them to get them more engaged, roll out your employee engagement strategy for all 20 people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So don't single anybody out, start doing all of the things that I've just talked about for the entire team. Let it take hold for a little bit and see whether or not the behaviors of those four individuals change or not. If they don't change, then you at least have a leg to stand on when you start the conversation with those four employees about the fact that you think they might not be disengaged. 
and that as their leader, um, you want to help them in any way possible to become more engaged, to feel more connected, to feel like they have a voice, to feel like they're in the right spot, to know that they're appreciated. And so I think once you put the strategy in place, you can see then the people who don't shift. And then it's much easier for the manager to say, you know, as you know, a few months ago, we went down this path where we rolled out a strategic plan to create a, a, a better environment for everyone where people can be running on all cylinders and be engaged every day, right? So at least then you've got something where you can, you can easily start the conversation and it's not coming out of left field, right? 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 And you can say, you know, we've created this new recognition program. We now have focus groups and we're doing, you know, weekly one-on-ones. We're rewriting our goals. You know, all of these things are things that we've, we've done in an effort to increase engagement. You know, but I'm concerned. I'm not sure that you're on board. I'm not sure that you um, appreciate this. I'm not sure that you like this. I'm not sure that you have engaged in all of the new things that we've created. So I'm just here to talk to you about, you know, where you are because I care about your success, right? right? And I want you to want to come to work every day. So I would say to leaders, if you know you've got people on your team who are disengaged, roll out the strategy to everyone, see how those people respond. And then if they don't respond the way you would have hoped, then you can start that conversation on a common platform because everybody knows you've been working actively to create a better culture. Right. So it'll just make so much more sense, Nicole, because the conversation won't be coming out of left field. Out of left field. And so just quickly before we break, let's say, you know, this is a leader of a, I don't know, a, a marketing team. Um, and they want to build their their team's employee engagement strategy. Let's mm-hmm. say outside of HR leading it or what have you. Is it, okay, I'm going to think about how to recognize my team more, how to build dialogue, or is this something where they would look to their team and say, hey, what do you think we need to do to build engagement? Actually, you know what? Let's dive into that after break. Hold that thought. <laughs> we'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit K-A-N-D dot co slash ecourse that's promo code va30 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right. Welcome back. Hey, I want to remind you all, check out um, Jill's book, If Not You, Who? Cracking the Code of Employee Engagement. It's a bestseller. And for those of you who are looking for some real impactful strategies, that's the book to help you build greater engagement within your team and your organization. So I want to go back, Jill, to what we were talking about before great uh, break. Can you help leaders just sort of unpack, you know, some steps they can take in building a strategy for their team? Should they involve their team in developing the strategy? What What's an example of, you know, a, more of a simple strategy that any leader could, could develop and apply with their team right away? So I always tell leaders that... Um, even though I purport a two-way communication culture, now is not the time to leverage it at the beginning of you rolling out your employee engagement strategy. And here's why, Nicole, because we know from all of the data, the actions that cause people to engage. And so because we have all of that data, we can say to you, you need to hire for a values fit. You need to look across your organization and identify the people who are highly disengaged and put them on a performance improvement plan or terminate them. You need to write goals that are aligned with the CEO's goals so people feel connected. You need to create focus groups and give people a voice. You need to create a recognition program where people are recognizing one another on the team every single day Mm -hmm. and make it really simple, right? We know what those things are. And so what I say to managers is, in the beginning, do not seek out the opinions of employees, but... Do seek out their opinions maybe three months from now, six months from now. So I say to leaders that you really need to, when you're starting off, stand up and fall on your sword. Hmm. Because when you work on a team or in an organization where the culture isn't good, mark my words, every employee knows it. And so for you to stand up and say, our culture isn't where it needs to be, but together we're going to fix it. You have just gained a lot of credibility in the eyes of your employees because you are actually standing there and saying something, right, that might be hard for a leader to say, but it's the truth, okay? And so, and when you speak the truth as a leader or a manager, especially when it's not a positive truth, right, you are endearing yourself in the eyes of employees. And so, you stand up and say, look, our culture isn't where it needs to be, but together we're going to fix it. Here are some things that we're going to do in the area of get the right person in every chair. Here's what we're going to do in the area of connection. Here's what we're going to do in the area of recognition and two-way communication culture, right? Mm-hmm. And then start doing those things actively with the team. And, you know, as long as things start taking hold and people are engaging in the programs, then three months out, six months out, you can say to people, you know, we're going to conduct an employee engagement survey or a pulse survey. And, oh, we can see that engagement is improving. It's increasing. So, we're yes, we're doing these things in these areas. Now, I'd love to hear from you. 
now that our employee engagement strategy is up and running and we're all partnering together to create this great workplace culture, I would love to know what your ideas are. What things do you think we could do on top of this that would cause you to be further engaged? And so I think it really starts with um, the manager laying out what the employee engagement strategy looks like and then asking employees a few months down the road what additional ideas they have. Because here's what I know to be true, Nicole. If you don't lay out these strategic things that we know drive employee engagement, your employees might come up with ideas like, oh, we want free snacks. Right. (laughs) Can we get an office dog? Oh, put a ping pong table in the lobby. Because they don't understand what employee engagement is, right? They equate employee engagement to happy. They don't Mm -hmm. equate employee engagement to, I trust the senior leadership team and I feel an emotional connection to my firm. Right, right. And, And we know what drives those things. And so it makes sense for us to put in place the things that we know drive those things and then ask employees for their input once we've started to get some traction. I love it. So on that note, are there certain, you know, with COVID, first of all, let me go to COVID. How has COVID affected engagement? Has it changed the rules? Has it, you know, or has it just made it even more important to focus on culture and engagement? I think it hasn't changed the rules. It's made it more important to focus on culture and engagement. So this is what I know. Two years ago, I didn't have a lot of people banging down my door and saying, Jill, I want to create an amazing workplace culture. Ever since COVID hit, I've got organizations coming to me in spades and saying, we don't know how to engage remote workers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when workers were physically beneath managers and leaders' eyes, they weren't worried about engaging them because they could see them working. Now, they may not have been working to their greatest extent. They may not have been giving their all, but you could physically see, yes, the person's showing up each day and they're doing something, right? And so many leaders and managers thought, okay, people are engaged. Um, now that they can't physically see their employees, now they're concerned. Right. Are they working? Are they productive? Are they doing their laundry? Are they walking their dog? Like, I need to get my arms around this. Yeah. And so COVID has shined a spotlight on remote worker engagement. And um, the statistic currently is that 61% of people around the globe are working remotely full time. And half of them say that they feel disengaged um, and, and they take it a step further and neglected. Mm-hmm. So they feel like out of sight, out of mind. And so I conducted a lot of research after COVID hit um, based on what we were hearing from remote workers and remote workers were telling us, I don't feel connected. I don't feel like I'm collaborating and I don't feel like I'm getting enough communication. Hmm. And so those are the three areas that um, have really impacted employees thanks to COVID. They feel a deep sense of being disconnected from their coworkers and the firm. They don't feel like they have the same opportunities to collaborate, right? Because they can't walk into someone's cubicle and say, hey, let me bounce this idea off of you or sit when I'm sit in a conference room after a meeting ends and just, you know, get people's yeah. thoughts or opinions. They're not hearing anything in the hallways, in a passive way. Um, And then the communication, I mean, before COVID hit, companies typically are not really good at internal communications, right? They're not good at 
being open and honest and transparent and being timely and communicating in the moment and communicating what's really going on, the truth, right? That's not, a, that's not an organization's strong point. And now that people are dispersed, they're not hearing as much. They can't even go to a colleague and say, have you heard anything about the bonus, you know, when bonuses are coming out or what they might be? You know, it would, it takes more for people to communicate Mm -hmm. with their colleagues, with their manager. And um, it sounds as if managers have not stepped up their communication practices within COVID. And so people are really yearning for information because they're not getting it in the hallways. They're not hearing it in the parking lot. They're not getting it in the break rooms. Um, They feel like many of them are there alone on an island. Mm -hmm. And when you say, I mean, that breaks my heart where half of remote workers feel neglected, Mm -hmm. right? That breaks my heart. That's an emotional reaction I have because that makes me feel that 50% aren't feeling cared about or cared for. Right. That's that's a great word. And, you know, Nicole, we know that one of the key levers to having an employee feel engaged is an employee feeling like their manager cares about them. Exactly. Right. And so that caring is missing. And when you don't feel like somebody cares about you, you know, and I'm sure this also has to do with just everything that's going on in the world, right? It wasn't just COVID that hit. We've got layers and layers and layers of crazy, of really concerning issues going yeah. on. Yeah. And so people do take it a step further and not just say, well, I don't, I feel like, you know, people don't care about me. I feel neglected, mm-hmm. right? I feel like nobody is paying attention to me. I feel like nobody's reaching out to me in a meaningful way. Yeah. And nobody understands what I'm dealing with. Right. Absolutely. Right. We're all dealing with the same pandemic, but we're all experiencing it differently based on our own circumstances, for example. Right. Completely. Um, And so, Nicole, one of the things that I um, here's a tip that I recommend to organizations, you know, as you're starting to think about bringing employees back to a physical workspace, don't figure out what that looks like in a conference room or on a Zoom call with leaders and managers. Conduct a back-to-work survey with your employees. Find out what they want, what they don't want, what they're looking for, their readiness level. Because to the extent that you can tap into where your employees are right now, right, and mm-hmm. take that into account as you're planning for them to come back to work, that will go so much better than if you arbitrarily sit there and say, every employee is going to come back on this day. Well, maybe people don't feel comfortable coming back. Maybe some people want to come back 100% full-time and other people want to work at home full-time 100%. And so it really is about you showing your employees that you're aware and that you're in touch with where they are and how they're feeling. And a great way to do that is a back-to-work survey. Hmm. And so has this experience for organizations and for leaders moving to this virtual remote model, do you see, have you noticed whether it's changed the perspective of, no, everybody needs to be in in the office to ensure productivity? Or are people now noticing and learning that we will have greater productivity when there's flexibility, when we show trust, when we empower, it's not about being, you know, in a cubicle where I can watch them eight hours a day. 
That's an excellent question. I don't think they've they've rotated as far as you just said. <laughs> okay. But I do think the needle has moved on, wow, employees can work from home and we can be a productive organization. Mm-hmm. And I know there were lots of leaders pre-COVID who did not believe that. Right. Right. They thought if I can't see you, then you're not working. Right. Right. I, I mean, it's a fear for whatever yeah. reason that leaders have. Um, they tend to not have it in the tech industry, right? But they yeah. have it. Many other leaders have that fear. And so I think what they've learned is that our organization is not going to fall apart if we have some people um, physically in office space and some people remote. And so it is my greatest hope that organizations are smart enough to talk to their people and find out what they want going forward when we get back to a point in time where organizations could bring people back 100% physically, because we will get there. But again, I hope this new model where you've got some people physical, you've got some people remote, um, sticks and stays because we know it works. We know people are just as productive at home as they are in the physical workspace. And if you're talking about leaders who want to ensure that people are engaged, you're going to have more engaged employees if they have options about where to physically work. Absolutely. Because there are people who have been clamoring to work from home, right? For years in organizations that haven't allowed them. And trust me, that has absolutely had um, a negative impact on engagement. Mm -hmm. And so you can have a more engaged workforce going forward if you are more trusting, if the rules are more flexible, if you give people more options. And I think COVID has just enabled us to prove out that it can work. Absolutely. I could not have said that better, Jill. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Like, I can't believe how fast this time went. Um, I could talk to you for another few hours. Um, I encourage everybody to sign up for for Jill's um, newsletter. Um, Just search Jill Christensen. Her website will come up. Sign up for her newsletter you will benefit from it. Some really practical strategies and and advice from Jill. So thank you, Jill. I really appreciate you joining us today. Nicole, you're welcome. And what I just want to say finally to your end users or, you know, your users, people who are listening, people who are going to be applying some of these techniques and strategies is that employee engagement is not rocket science. Mm -hmm. Culture change, culture, the definition of culture is how we do things here. So in order for you to change your culture, you simply need to do things here differently tomorrow than you're doing here today. Awesome. Well said, Jill. Uh, Thank you. And as I've shared before, for those of you who um, want support in culture transformation, whether at the organization level or at your team level, to really dive into strengthening the performance of your teams and and ensuring your team members are connected and able to thrive, please reach out. Reach out to me directly. Reach out to us at at Waterstone Human Capital and would love to have a conversation with you. And um, feel free to also connect with Jill. So until next week, I wish you all a wonderful week and please look for somebody you can support this week and reach out to and connect with and lift up. All right. All the best. Thanks, Jill. Talk to you all next week. Thank you for joining us this week. 
Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.